Welcome everyone, Call It In The Ring Media presents Squared Circle Rewind episode 121 where we are reviewing WWF Survivor Series 1996. I'm your host Jesse, I'm going to be joined shortly by David Ben. This episode will be a little bit different than basically all our previous episodes because of the self-isolation that everyone around the world is currently experiencing. So the format for the coming weeks is going to be a little bit different. I hope you all like it. We are doing the best we can with what we got. So it will sound a little bit different, but we're going to be here to entertain you. And on that note, we are going to get into some body slamming and some beneficial facts. All right, we're going to get into some body slam, and here's Dave to give it to us. What's up, everybody? So this is a different twist of things that we're doing tonight. Hey, Jesse? <laughs> this feels so weird. <laughs> it feels it, it feels so weird, but I do want to say thanks to Anchor App for allowing this feature because it's allowing us to give this content once again to our viewers. So that's pretty awesome. That's right. How you doing, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. Surviving quarantine. Can, can you can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. You can hear. You hear. You can hear. I'm moving. I'm moving. You you I'm must be using an iPhone. I can't tell if he's joking with us at this point. <laughs> you can't oh jeez. The mystery's up to you. <laughs> All right, what do you got for us this week, Dave, for Body Slap? Oh, there I am. There you are. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was saying connecting. It's probably where, did, where did you go? <laughs> I turned my Wi-Fi off because it was, it was sounding laggy. So oh, turn your Wi-Fi. Off. That's ridiculous. I got forty gigabytes of data. I'm good to go. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> at the beginning of the episode saying it's going to sound a little bit different so we're good we're good all right so we're going to do some body slams so you want to do the conversation first in regards to the topic or do you want to do the top five quarantine activities you're you're the host of this segment dude you got to be ready to go i'm just i'm just the host with the most you know compassion (laughs) so let's see what you guys want to do all right we'll do the top five quarantines i think that that'll be the fastest topic to discuss so why don't you go first ben is it is this for is this because it's my birthday it That's is a, exactly happy, why it's your birthday happy birthday happy oh, thank birthday you. to benny bomb 42 okay. what What's, how old <laughs> baby. Woo. you're cutting out Dave. you're cutting out again <laughs> top five covid19 activities let's see okay we got eating drinking ps4 netflix sleeping okay what else you, what do you guys have <laughs> that i thought that was your daily routine oh my god it is i just don't have work <laughs> <laughs> what about you dave what do you got um i got video gaming board games video streaming yoga and video group chat so a lot of video stuff going on yes yes you, you hopefully your guys's plans are very good for your for your internet <laughs> Um, mine's basically the same, you know. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, this has uh, been the, the most anticlimactic top five ever. Yeah. 
Uh, I will say that I I pulled out for the for the kids. I pulled out some old school board games, and my dad and I used to play a board game that was done by Hockey Night in Canada. And what it was like, I had to bring out an old VCR to do it. And on the board, it had like this thing called Power Play. And every time you you got on there, you would press you you would press play on the VCR, and it would show a play. And if you uh, depending on if it was a miss, a penalty, or a goal, it would affect your your token on the board and where you got to go. Actually, and, I think I know which game you're talking about. Yeah, the the kids got a really big kick out of it. Uh, it made me laugh though because my oldest was they showed some '70s like from Bobby Orr days, and my my oldest Jude was like they didn't wear helmets back then. What are they crazy? And that that had me laughing. So that was pretty good. Too. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> no, no. Uh, playing a lot of driveway hockey, going outside in the driveway and just firing at the net and that kind of stuff. Uh, I've also been watching uh, series of movies. So we did the Harry Potter, all seven movies or eight movies, I think it is. We did the Lord of the Rings tw- trilogy. And now we're getting into the Marvel MCU Cinematic Universe uh, and doing that in chronological order, not in release order. So that's been interesting. And um, I guess the last one for uh, for my wife and I, that that's PG, is we're mocking celebrities sitting there giving the stay-at-home tweets and videos uh, every day because we just think it's the most ridiculous thing we've ever seen. That, <laughs> that, that millionaires are sitting there telling us like we all need to be strong, you know, don't you know we need to do this to flatten the curve. Says the guy that doesn't have to worry about his bills. Okay, sure, sure, guy, sure, sure, I'll get behind you in your ways. So yeah, mic drop, <laughs> buzzing mic drop. <laughs> All right, what else you got, Dave? Uh that was a top five. So let's go into the topic of the empty arena shows for both AEW and for WWE, and how we feel they're looking, how they're being presented. WrestleMania 36, day one and day two. Like, how do we feel about this? I I, I might as well start off right now because I'm already starting. So I gave it the benefit of the doubt that I, I figured, you know what, I'll watch it and see how I feel. However, within the first few minutes, I realized I did not feel good about this. <laughs> um, and I think the overall reason is pro wrestling is a performance art. It's a, it's a sport. It's an activity that's, you know, put on in front of a live audience because the live audience plays a huge role in, like, match progression and playing with the crowd and – the number one goal is to have the fans in the palm of your hand, and I just felt that was all lost. So it felt like we were, you know, we're watching like tryout videos, and I don't know. How do you guys feel about it, Ben? Um, I mean, there's no getting around the fact that it's going to suck with no people there, because like you said, the the audience feeds into the energy that is part of the show. But I mean. I just took it for what it was and I'm like, okay, it sucks no matter what, but let's see which one is better given the circumstances. I did watch uh, quite a few highlights from raw and SmackDown. I watched AEW dynamite out of, out of WWE and AEW. I disliked AEW less. Cause at least, I don't know. It seemed like they were at least trying to have fun with, they were ha- trying to have fun with it. Whereas WWE, I mean, here's the part I didn't like about them. It just, it felt like it was so robotic and even 
it felt so scripted and robotic that even if you, I didn't notice a difference, even if you would have had people in the audience, it just felt the exact same as they always do. They never looked at the hard cameras like they usually don't do in the show. That's one of the, uh, the big golden rules that you have to follow. But it, I mean, given the circumstances, I'm going, well, what the hell else are you going to look at? Were you going to look at the janitor cleaning the aisleways in the broom uh, for, oh, well, that's right. He can't, they're not going to be there because there's nobody to clean up after because there's no people there. So, I mean, it's just, AEW is trying to have fun. So, I mean, I enjoyed it a little more, but overall, like I said, it sucked that there's no people there. Like, I, what do you, you guys think of that? I did like how they had the heels and the faces for AEW in the crowd. For okay. like the yeah, first yeah. I think it was the first episode they did where it was no... I thought that was kind of fun because it made you feel like there was actually people there and then you had the heels making bets on the matches. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. They were trying to have fun with it. They are trying and to go with it a little bit. With WWE, I felt like it was forced, whereas this was like an opportunity for them to be like, okay, yes, we have storylines going. However, like it just it felt so awkward with aw i kind of did enjoy it i guess looking back on it now because i was like you know what they're having fun with it there's still personality but there are still times where i was like this is really awkward like i felt bad for the for the debuts they had for Brody lee and matt hardy with no live audience interaction yeah Yeah, but then again like you know what are you gonna do exactly like they did the best for what they were dealt with i guess jesse so aw i I think they were forced to do what they did. Uh, I agree with Dave and Ben that about um, the heels and the faces being in the crowd, I thought that was hilarious, especially uh, when you had John Spears and MJF betting <laughs> on matches. I just thought that was hilarious. Uh, it sucks that they had to do these these debuts with no fans in the crowd. That's That, that wasn't great. But they don't have the video library um, that WWE has. And I think my problem with WWE, and I don't think they should have done empty arena shows WWE because they have millions of hours worth of wrestling that they own. And this empty arena WrestleMania is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I I, I hate it. I'm not watching it. Like, it's going to be junk. Yeah. Uh, when you have that, when you have enough video like that why aren't you just showing you know on on austin 316 day like march 16th just show austin matches for the three hour raw and then on smackdown show two hours worth of rock matches and then the next raw do three hours worth of the women's revolution matches like you could do so many things to fill the time until it's safe to for fans to come back in and then you could pick it up for them like i don't understand why they didn't postpone wrestlemania to the summer uh, it just it WrestleMania is gonna suck with no fans. Um, you're gonna have like a boneyard match. Like like Drew is, is gonna more than likely win the title, and he's gonna raise it, and it's gonna be fucking quiet. And like that's I don't think that's like that's not what he wants. It's the the title is one thing, but he wants the 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 WrestleMania moment. Well, there's no WrestleMania moment without fans. So I, I don't like what WWE is doing. AEW is doing the, the best with what they got because they have no video library. They're, they've only been around for, what, seven months now? Uh, but WWE has been around for close to 40 years. They should, they should Plus, they own WCW and ECW stuff. 
just be showing that on your broadcast until we're all they're all safe to come back in. This is dumb. And I mean, Wrestle WrestleMania is just being forced through, and it's just because of one word: stubbornness. Yes, yes. It's just stubbornness. Roman Reigns has dropped out because of because of his compromised immunity, <laughs> which which totally yeah. makes sense. And and they're still like, oh, we're going forward with it. And I'm like, well, you were building Reigns versus Goldberg. Why don't you just leave it? It's probably better for Goldberg to train for longer so he doesn't have a shit-ass match again. Here's the thing. When we review this WrestleMania down the road many, many years from now, Roman Reigns might get my top performer because he was smart enough to get a dodge of this train wreck. Yeah, true enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which is sad, but... Like... It's going to be so – okay, so I'm like I'm like the opposite where I actually might tune into WrestleMania once or twice both nights just to see – because it's more of like a curiosity thing. Like I want to see how they do this and whether or not they should have. <laughs> yes, yes. You, I, I say – I think my thing is it's not going to be appointment viewing where, where WrestleMania is passed, the three of us would basically set aside the entire day – and it was like we were clocking in for a work shift to watch this this event. And oh, two work shifts. Yeah, and now it's it's just like, well, I'm gonna have it on in the background if I, you know, if I want to. But if <laughs> it feels like a a F level type of like uh, standard pay per view, like, it does not feel anything to how WrestleMania should. Yeah. I mean, why couldn't they make WrestleMania at SummerSlam this year? What, what, like, why couldn't they do – like, they're doing a two-day event, which is slated to be three and a half hours roughly per day. It's like you could have, like, a WrestleMania Saturday and a SummerSlam Sunday. Or, or, or a summer – or some or, – sorry, WrestleMania Friday and Saturday. And have, I don't know, but – or they could just say this year SummerSlam is going to be WrestleMania. A lot of options. Yeah. You know, it just the fact of the matter is, is without a fan uh, base in attendance, it's not WrestleMania. It's fancy matches that are held at the Performance Center. So it's like it's it's like the NFL Super Bowl being held at like at a high school training facility yes yeah that that's exactly yeah with, <laughs> with nobody there with nobody there. with nobody there right so and okay now another point they're having a advertised six um sorry an advertised triple threat tag team match for the uh for the titles in a ladder match which means that there will be seven people in the ring including the ref plus the two at the announce table isn't that too much considering what's happening with social distancing? Well, and yeah, doesn't that kind of violate it? <laughs> yeah, and it's not like all these guys have been like, like they I don't know if they're still traveling within the states, but it's just like, is, is there any guarantee that they didn't go grocery shopping and get it? You know, like I don't know. It, there's just too much up in the air. There's just too much risk, you know. I agree. I agree. Uh, they, so we're postponing oh, it. It's all good. So we're all unanimous that they should have postponed it to at least SummerSlam, if not even longer, considering what may happen. Because, because we know, like Ben said last week in our trial, we can't forecast anything no more. Yeah, yeah. Well, Vince apparently still can. Nothing applies. To him. <laughs> Just that goes back to the stubbornness thing. Yeah. 
The show must go on. That's right. And with that being said, our show must go on too. There you go. Okay, so now I think it's time for some beneficial facts. Can, can I just get into them? Or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, just uh, give me one second. got to flip a few pages here. All oh, right. geez. One thing's still the same. Ben's not ready. <laughs> Actually, I was ready when you first said that first part of that sentence. Okay. I had to flip one page. The Greg Hammer of our podcast. Takes him 10 minutes to get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, he, when he's in, though, the bad oh, picks God. up. I'll tell Oh. Yeah, Dave, you're breaking, you're breaking up again, Dave. Dave, Dave. Ground control, major top. Okay, Survivor Series 1996. Oh, but just on a side note, uh, my cat keeps uh, rubbing her face on the phone because she hears your guys' voice. Oh, that's Aww. So she does, She does. well, I, I think she tolerates you. I don't know about likes you. Um, <laughs> get, get, get the, okay, now the cat's on my notes. Um, it's like I have kids here or something. So Survivor Series 1996 uh, took place on November 17, 1996 at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, New York City, in front of a sold-out crowd of 18,647 fans. Take that, WCW! <laughs> at the time, you know. Uh, tagline for the event is Back to Attack. Lovely. I guess I've heard worse taglines. Commentary is done by Vince McMahon, Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler, um, Sonny, uh, Jim Cornette, Big Bird, Larry King, Oprah. Seems like everyone got to do some commentary at this event. Uh, This event was also presented by Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters, which I don't know if you guys had. I had those when I was a kid. We're not that old. (laughs) I don't don't recall having. Jesse's only two years younger, so Jesse is old. He's old enough. Remember, hey, remember, when this came out, too, I was 14 years old, so yes, you were kids, and yes, you believe in toys <laughs> at this point, so no, that is not a valid excuse. Okay. Uh, Survivor Series did 199,000 pay-per-view buys and would not be any lower than this number until 2013. Things are nice. about to start uh, getting more prosperous. There we go. Uh, 199,000 pay-per-views buys would be a 5 rate and would do a live pay of $529,522, the second highest grossing live gate of 1996 for WWF at the time. Before I continue on, you guys keep hearing static. Yes. Okay, it's not just me? No, no. Okay, so we apologize to our listeners. And yes, yes. We will, uh, this yes. is all... For all our listeners here, we're, we're, we're in three separate homes, and usually we do this in one place because we like to look each other in the eye as we're yelling at each other. Uh, well, I don't like to look at you in the eyes. I just look at you in the eyes. But we're trying, damn it. So, yeah, it's going to sound a little bit different, but uh, as the weeks go on, as we're stuck in self-isolation, we'll figure this out. <laughs> so, the free-for-all match results as follows. Aldo Montoya, Bart Gunn, Bob Hawley and Jesse James defeated Justin Bradshaw, Salvatore Sincere, The Sultan, and Billy Gunn in 10 minutes and 46 seconds. This is the debut of the team of Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. They were better known as the Can-Am Express outside of WWE. But because this name was outside of WWE, that name means shit. They are Furnace and Lafon. 
Just ask Vince. Anything outside WWF doesn't exist. Uh, there are a lot of costume changes for wrestlers in this event, mainly Farouk and Undertaker. Farouk's was definitely for the better. Undertaker's, yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah. That's, that's just me. Uh, Superfly Jimmy Slipper had a one-off in this event, body-slamming Vader at his age. Pretty damn impressive. I thought so. Uh, the Flash Funk, or the Flash Flunk is what I call him. Uh, better known as Two-Pulled Scorpio from his WCW days. Heaven fucking forbid he use a name that's already over. Uh, wrestled Saturday night in an ECW match with Louis Spicoli and uh, also defeating Devin Storm, JT Smith, and Hack Myers in squash matches as a, like, I challenge anybody in the arena type of stipulation. But uh, Spicoli uh, defeated Funk in a If I Lose, I'll Leave ECW for a Year match. And while Scorpio lost, and in between his drive from Philly to New York, he became a dancing pimp and delivered one of the greatest moonsaults I've ever seen to Vader. <laughs> uh, the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony was held the night before the Survivor Series. Uh, inductees were... Okay, we're going to turn the from this way. Oh, there's not, not as much static that way. Um, inductees were Vince McMahon Sr., Pat Patterson, Killer Kowalski, Johnny Rods, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Captain Lou Selbano, and Baron Mikel Sakuna. Mr. Perfect left the company shortly before Survivor Series, which he also did in Survivor Series 1993, agreeing to join WCW. Kurt Henning was uh, kind of sour at Vince for not being able to collect on a payout from Lloyd's of London Insurance. Uh, now, Vince did offer, well, reportedly offered Henning a contract to make up for the lost money. Originally, Henning did agree, but in the end, went to WCW instead for probably a lot more money. Uh, the whole thing uh, went through a strenuous legal back and forth tilt, and uh, because of that, Henning did not debut for WCW until the summer of 1997, because I believe his uh, contract was binding with Vince, and basically it was probably one of those well, until your contract expires, you're not competing anywhere else. Uh, Jake the Snake replaced the uh, injured Mark Henry on Marrow's team, which I call the wild side. Ooh. Whoa. Uh, this was Yokozuna's final match in WWE. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean, kind of ironic, too, is in the garden, too, where he lost the WWE title too, yeah. as well. Um, this was Bret Hart's return to WWE, and he signed his infamous 20-year contract only a month prior. Bret also handpicked Stone Cold as his opponent to return to the company to face. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the, the talk about uh, endorsement yep. there, eh? Uh, HBK was originally to have faced Vader at Survivor Series, but because HBK didn't like working with Vader in a stiff style, Vader was pushed down, and a popular and red-hot Sid was pushed up. Oh, and finally, some guy, uh, some guy, a jabroni, if you will, Rocky Maivia, Maivia, uh, made his debut, first ever third-generation superstar in WWF, 
But judging by his outfit, looks like he'll end up being uh, a nothing, a nobody, a peon in WWE. <laughs> what do you guys think? I think Rocky might be a... It doesn't matter what you oh, guys think. You walked right into that, Jesse. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> was Dave the savvy one for a change there? <laughs> and apart from that, that is beneficial facts. All right, our first match of the evening is a Survivor Series match. We've got the British Bulldog, Owen Hart, and the New Rockers facing Phil LaFon, Doug Furness, and the Godwins. And Furness and LaFon were the sole survivors at 20 minutes and 41 seconds. Dave, what were your thoughts on this match? I thought the match picked up when Owen got in the ring. Previously, I thought it was pretty dull. Yeah. The Rockers and the Godwins have like next to no chemistry because the spots that they were doing were all like hit or miss. Yeah. Um Ernest went for a drop kick and then Bulldog went under him, which was an interesting spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh the drop down top rope missile drop kick by Owen and Bulldog looked very painful for whoever took it. Yes. Yes. Um overall I gave the match a C. Uh, ben, what were your thoughts? Okay, well, can you hear me okay? We're, we can hear you loud and clear, buddy. Okay, this is probably a better spot where I am. I'm in my basement, and I hear no static whatsoever, so that's a good sign. Yeah, Whoa. I wasn't going outside. It's cold out. <laughs> uh, this match was uh, to get Furnace and LaFon off to a, the right start with the company, making their debut in the garden, and they actually did. Um, you know, debut in the garden – not to give too much of a spoiler away, but going over on the champs, good way to get your career going in WWE. Uh, this match was okay at best. Um, Marty Jannetty injuring himself early was concerning and took some energy from the match with him limping around and trying to execute his spots. Felt yeah, that, that was actually. Great. Uh, Bulldog and Owen were, I thought they were really good. Uh, Godwins and the Rockers, like, like was mentioned, like just, no, no, no chemistry there. Um, Leaf, I don't know what's going on with Leaf Cassidy, but I don't know. He was just—he looked like he didn't really give a shit being in the match. He looks like he doesn't give a shit about this whole gimmick. No, um, he just—he like. Uh, when did the New Rockers come in? The beginning of '96, maybe, or maybe SummerSlam '96. Uh, I want to say shortly after WrestleMania. Okay, so it's only been like six months, and. You could tell that Leaf Cassie's like, oh, fuck this shit. This is awful. I'm done with this. And, I mean, Marty, Marty's not much uh, – does not much longer with the company. I think he's gone early in 1997 because uh, I think he had um, complaints about where the Rockers were on the card. But, I mean, given with the matches we've seen, I'm like, no, nah, they're pretty much where they probably should be. They, they probably should be lower on the card with the matches we've seen, I think. Lower than the mid card or lower than the opening match. That's right. I want that <laughs> free for all. And I mean the tag the tag division is pretty underwhelming at this point too, because I mean you got the Godwins, the, the smoking guns have broken up by this point. So you got the Godwins, you've got you know the new Rockers. It's starting to wear a little thin here. I mean the Godwins had the titles, but I mean that train's kind of already come and gone. The Rockers aren't going up the card anytime soon. In fact, they're kind of flailing at this point. 
So Furnace and Lafon were a good shot in the arm for the tag division at this point. I mean, they're pretty well known, especially in all Japan pro wrestling, where they were multi-time tag team champions. Had some, they had a good reputation about them as uh, really solid workers. They actually reminded me of a little bit of like the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldog style a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I mean, if uh, Furnace and LaFon were around for like, you know, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, when the Hart Foundation and Bulldogs were having their back and forth tilts, I thought they would have gelled with them just just fine. Yeah, uh, I, I agree love, with that. I love Furnace's drop kick. That it's almost like a three, like a, he gets a lot of height in that drop kick. Wow. Yes, he does. And uh, yeah, like, uh, I think there's just a couple of timing issues, just the way Furnace and LaFon work. Um, yeah. Well, and I also think this was, I think they mentioned on the broadcast, this was either their first pay-per-view or their first match in WWF. Yeah, like this so they, was their debut. Yeah, they, they were obviously jacked up to the nines and they wanted to go and show, and being an MSG, they wanted to go and show what they had, right? So. But overall, it was it was an okay match. I mean, Bulldog Owen and uh, Furnace and LaFong were the highlight of the match. I gave the match a C. I also gave the match a C. I thought it was a solid opener. Um, I agree with both you guys saying that the Rockers and the Godwins kind of no chemistry there, just wasn't working. But when you had Bulldog Owen, uh, Lafon and Furnace in there, it seemed to pick up. I was going to run through the eliminations quickly. Uh, so Henry Godwin eliminates Marty Jannetty with a slop drop, and then Owen eliminates Henry with a spinning wheel kick, which was that, awesome. Yes. Uh, well, and he actually, Henry actually took the spinning wheel kick, which we'll see in a later match that I think, uh, Flash Funk goes for one of Vader bumps before he even gets there. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck, guys? Yeah. Uh, British Bulldog eliminated Phineas with a running power slam, and then LaFon eliminated Cassidy with a top rope reverse suplex that drew gasps from the New York crowd, which is quite, quite something. And then LaFon eliminated Bulldog with a crucifix rollout pin. That was quite something. And Furnace eliminated Owen with an overhead re- uh, release belly to belly. So Furnace and LaFon were your sole survivors. And then we go to our next match, which is a singles match. We got Mankind versus The Undertaker. And Paul Bearer is in a shark cage above the ring. Ben, what were your thoughts on this match? Interesting that these two are having another match so soon, and given how the Buried Alive match went down, very lackluster follow-up. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, not uh, not really into uh, Undertaker's Batman look. Uh, <laughs> you didn't like that? No, not really. I wasn't really digging that. I mean, I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, the full leather get-up and everything, I'm like, okay. Mm, I, I get you want to change things up, but uh, yeah, not 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 so much. I don't think that look lasts very long, or it's mm-hmm. toned down or kind of altered a little bit. Um, and it's weird that we go from a no DQ, a boiler room brawl, a buried alive into the final chapter match, so to speak, where it's just a normal wrestling match. Yeah, they almost did it backwards, hey? Yeah, they did. Like I feel like oh, I feel like Paul Bearer. So they had the what was the so they had the boiler room brawl and that's when Paul Bearer turned, right? Yeah, and I believe their first match with, at King of the Ring. I, I want to say that was a no DQ match. 
But the shirt, but Paul Bearer in the shirt cage should have been after the boiler room brawl, and then Survivor Series should have been a buried alive match, really, like to to cap the feud. But where do you hold that in MSG? Like you can't you can't have you can't have that spot because there's no there's no room for it. And the the match felt a lot longer, I thought, and for sure my least favorite match um, between the between the two of them. Um, Mankind actually went on the record saying that he didn't particularly care for this match. Yeah, um, neither did I. Neither did I. Yep. I I'm going on the record. Undertaker would uh, would say that as well. Yes. Uh, the the only thing I really liked is that Taker actually finally got like a pinfall win on Mankind. Other yeah. Than that, yeah. Pretty lackluster. I gave the match a D. Oh wow, Dave. What were your thoughts? Uh, comparatively to YouTube, quite different. Um, as usual, I thought the match was great storytelling. Um. I thought Taker hit a beautiful tombstone on Mankind. He did. Which I thought was a great finish. I as well... The setup, the setup to that was really good too. Like him beating him down in the corner and then Undertaker picking, like standing up and picking him up on his shoulders. That was a pretty cool setup for it. Yeah, like I, I do agree though that, that the progression for the story was ass backwards. Where <laughs> you have all these high profile go-home matches and then the go home as you say for the rivalry was a just a normal match with with a bearer hanging in a, in a shark cage <laughs> yeah, like, kind of weird i'm like what I'm like i've seen yeah. some barbaric matches with these two and so but overall though i i really enjoyed the match i gave it a b wow yeah. um i gave the match a c. i i i tend to agree more with ben it was a solid match but not as good as their other ones fight me <laughs> Dave, your opinion is different than Ben and I's, so that means you're wrong. Yeah, that's the way. That's the that's the way that the the new world is. Okay, <laughs> uh, so Undertaker wins via Tombstone at 14 minutes and 52 seconds. Our next match is a Survivor Series elimination match. We got Crush, Jerry Lawler, Goldust, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley facing Mark Merrow, The Stalker, Rocky Maivia. And Jake Roberts and the stalker. How okay? Before I before I like get into who the who the survivor was and the time. How the hell is this a guy named the stalker a face? In what world does that make sense? In World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> the new generation. Um, so I got nothing. <laughs> Rocky Maivia is the sole survivor at twenty three minutes. And 44 seconds. I feel like they're trying to push this kid. Dave, what were your thoughts? Um, I thought the, the pop for Jake Roberts was really good when he started, when he got in the ring and started hitting some moves. Yep, yep. Um, nice sell by Lawler on the Roberts DDT. Yep. I yes, really, it was. Yes, it was. I really and his, love that and his, his shenanigans before mocking him and, and like, like, Mimicking taking drinks and acting drunk like that that stuff and then he, <laughs> he eats a DDT. It's like okay, there we go. Yeah, really care um, for their SummerSlam match, but I was like, okay, here we go. I felt though towards the middle, maybe even longer, the fans were lost. Yeah, I felt it got pretty stale, pretty slow. Crush was frustrating the hell out of me. His his, his finishing moves a punch. Does that why? That, that why? and. He just was sloppy as hell. He couldn't lift anybody up and hold them. Yep. Um, 
I also felt that Rocky winning made sense. Did you guys notice how they kept calling him Dwayne Johnson? Yes. I uh, did notice that. Jim Ross said it a bunch because McMahon didn't yeah. say it. And then Sonny didn't – because Sonny was also a broadcaster at this point, right? She came down? Correct. Yeah. By this point, Sonny and, and Vince weren't saying Dwayne Johnson. But, like, you know Jim Ross. He's got to talk about his football career. <laughs> so he's got to drop the, G, the Dwayne Johnson stuff. Well, and Vince mentioned it once, saying that he was formerly uh, – his real name is Dwayne Johnson, but he's now Rocky Maivia for his grandfather and father. And then after that is when Jim kept calling him Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's fun. Um, I did enjoy Rocky going over. I just kind of wish it was not with a shoulder breaker, considering all of his moves he hit had nothing to do with a shoulder. Yeah, um, yeah. That'll, <laughs> he he defeated Crush with a, cro- with a terrible crossbody. Oh, my um, God. It looks like he's jumping and hoping to God he's okay. <laughs> um, a, a guy of Rocky's size should not be doing crossbodies. I, and I know he's doing it for his, like, in tribute, but don't be doing that shit, man. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I gave the match a C. Uh, ben? I love how the stalker was just called Barry Windham throughout the match. <laughs> yes, they didn't reference it. They called him, like, the the... The tagline when he came down, or the, the name bar, name bar for a be- lack of a better word, was the stalker. And they're like, "We're not calling him that. He's buried with them." Well, maybe a light bulb went off in their head uh, finally when the match started, and they just covered their mic for a second and said, "Okay, you know what? The stalker's a dumb, fucking, stupid name. Let's just call him Barry Windham." Hey Ben, did you guys hear? Did you guys hear Jim Ross talk about uh, Barry Windham wearing his favorite boots? Did you hear yeah. that? <laughs> what the fuck? Yes. yes. Did you guys? When you first saw the stalker, did you think of the Mrs. Dad? <laughs> I sure as hell did. I was like, is that the Mrs. Dad? Oh, if only WWE had continuity, they would have brought Barry Windham back as Mrs. Dad to face Shane back. Those dumb shits, man. That's Barry yeah, Windham's that... legacy oh. now. The Mrs. Dad's doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. That's good. Oh, shit. Okay, where was I? Okay. Um, Rocky and Triple H having their first encounter together in the garden gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that was neat. Because you got you got two of the Attitude Era's, like, Mount Rushmore early in their career. I mean, it's so cool what's coming down the road that we haven't seen yet. Wait, are you saying that they become... Stars? You know what that hairstyle that Rocky Maivia had? I have a feeling they will. Oh. All right, all right. I think Rocky um, needs to get a haircut first, but yes, right after yes. that. He, he, the, the haircut's the least of his worries. Right? I honestly think, this is a prediction here, probably a bold one, but I think when he shortens his hair and his name, he might become a superstar. Okay, okay, good to know, good to know. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll keep that in mind in case it does happen. That you can do you think he's going to become a star, or do you think he's going to become a great one? Probably the people's Ooh. champion. Oh, there you go. All right, enough with the puns. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? <laughs> um, I like Jake uh, getting the DDT on Lawler and going over like mentioned. That that was cool. It's the least they could do for Jake, considering where this whole goddamn thing with Lawler's been. That's true. Um, the match was designed to get Rocky off to a good start and uh, give him some good shine. 
I mean, th- this match was built for Rocky. And the stalker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Mrs. Mrs. Dad. Dad. <laughs> now, he does show inexperience and some timing issues uh, throughout the match, but I mean, he's, he's pretty green at this point, so... And you can totally tell he's pretty nervous as well. You can't really blame him. The match but it could have been worse than the match. Like, I mean, he didn't, he didn't really do anything that made you... I, I guess made you cringe, but at the same time, it's like, okay, well, nobody was really unsafe with his stuff he did. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, Docker. <laughs> you just can't get uh, Rocky doing the, uh, the come from behind um, win uh, was, well, that was pretty sweet and a uh, good finish. I gave the match a C and uh, not because of the stalker. <laughs> I gave this match a D, and Ooh. the reason was I, you know, it it bored me. It bored me. Um, Jake coming in doing his thing that was that was cool. Rocky might be at the end was cool, but Crush like absolutely sucked. And I was just like, and you know what, like Mark Merrill, I'm I'm already done with him. <laughs> like, Actually, you know what else sucked? What? Harvey Whippleman's refereeing sucked. I like how Jim Ross is calling him out for it too. He's like, "What's the point of having a referee on the outside if he's doing nothing?" And I'm like, "That's absolutely. right, absolutely, that's right, absolutely." Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll run down the the uh, eliminations here. Roberts eliminated Lawler with a DDT. Goldust eliminated Stalker with the curtain call. Stalker, um, Stalker. Merrill eliminates Hunter with a moonsault. Crush eliminates Merrill with a punch. And like I question marked it because I was like, really? Seriously? And I actually rewound and I was like, oh yeah, it was a fucking punch. Okay. And then Crush eliminated Roberts with a heart punch this time. What a bad finisher. Maivia eliminates Crush with a crossbody. And then Maivia eliminates Goldust with a shoulder breaker. Now, Jesse, do you think the uh, Crush's heart, break, uh, heart punch is better than uh, Mean Mark Callis? Callaway? I, well, me and Mark only used it for like three matches, so we'll have to watch two more crush matches to see if it lasts longer. That's true. That's true. You know, yeah. All right. Are well, you willing to watch two more crush matches? I'm pretty sure we're going to have to. Don't, don't we get it? <laughs> don't we get into like gang warfare here pretty soon? A year from now. Yeah. So, well, it's coming. All right, our next match is going to, is the number one contenders match for the WWF title. We got Stone Cold Steve Austin facing Bret Hart, and Holy Bret Hart shit. wins by pinfall at twenty four minutes and forty one seconds. Ben, the cornerstone of the new generation versus the cornerstone of the Attitude Era. Yeah, both yeah. in their prime coming together. At the exact right time. Yep. Like, holy fuck. Yep. Uh, to me, this rivalry is as good as anything throughout history. I mean, it's as good as Dusty and Flair, Sting and Flair, someone else and Flair. Fucking <laughs> um, I mean, Flair. <laughs> a lot of emphasis on Flair there. Flair, um, Flair. Brett and Sean, like Triple H and Rock. I mean... The match buildup was so well done. Uh, there was nothing in this match that was bad. The stare down, the story, the intensity, the selling, the energy. I mean, it didn't feel 25 minutes. That was a damn fast 25 minutes to me. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, The back and forth between the two worked to perfection. My opinion, these two um, are each other's best ever opponents. And this is uh, my personal favorite. This is my all-time favorite rivalry. As far as in-ring work goes, these two are my favorite ever. Wow. Um, They were both legit. They were both believable. They were tough and just brought the best out of each other. Uh, Best match on the card. And uh, if the Iron Man match didn't happen the same year, this would have been match of the year to me. Wow. There you go. I mean, now, I mean, of course you've got like Triple H and The Rock. You got The Rock and Stone Cold. Now, promo wise, those guys were like head over, head over, I don't know, head over heels, but way above Brett and uh, Stone Cold's promos together. It's just Brett and Stone Cold's in ring work was so much better. Yeah. I mean, the Rock and Stone Cold, their promos were really good. Their their in ring work was good, but it just it didn't quite didn't quite match up to Brett and Stone Cold. And Stone Cold even went, says on his podcast numerous times that Bret Hart's his favorite ever guy to work with. I think I think a lot of guys say that to be quite. Except Honky Talk Man, Honky Talk Man doesn't like Bret, but other than that, I think a lot of guys loved being with Bret. Now, score wise, I gave it an A plus. I gave it two. Woo! All right, Dave. Well, I'm I'm actually surprised with Ben's score with all the things he said about the match. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really Being facetious, it, everyone. <laughs> uh, great back and forth, no wasted motion. This is a great example of a wrestling match. Great psychology. Uh, beautiful power driver by by Brett on the Steve. Um, and to see Brett kick out of the stunner was given like it gave me a goosebump to see him kick out of the stunner. Yeah, because when he hit it, I was like, "Oh, it's over." I'm like, "Oh, it's not." And they just kept going. And overall, I gave the match an A. I also gave this match an A. Uh, the crowd absolutely loved it. Um, what was curious to me, um, and just just because of how long Austin had been talking shit about Brett. Uh, well, Brett wasn't there. That when the match started, they they were doing lockups and rest, like and 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 chain wrestling and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, this is kind of weird considering that how much shit Austin would be talking. I thought Brett would be more aggressive, but they told a great story throughout the whole thing. Uh, Love the finish with um, uh, it was basically the same finish as uh, him and Roddy Piper. At Mania that one year, except, yep. it was the, except it was the million dollar dream instead of the sleeper hold. Um, but really great match, great psychology. Uh, welcome back, Brett. Like, holy shit, takes six months off and comes back and like it looks like he doesn't even skip a fucking beat. It's amazing. amazing. Just one thing I want to add to yeah. about um, what you said about uh, Stone Cold and Brett just not being too aggressive with each other. It made sense for them not to do that because. Yeah, there was a lot of trash talking back and forth, but Brett also says that Stone Cold is the best wrestler in the WWF at this time. Yeah, Stone I agree Cold, with that. He doesn't really he doesn't really say it, but he knows that Brett is like the top dog in WWE. So 
with them kind of feeling each other out and well, and that, that's exactly what I was going to watch this with each other. That made sense. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. At least there's respect there. I, I clued in. I clued in a little bit later. I was like, oh, okay, they're they're feeling each other out at this point, you know, like, but it. Brett tells a great story in the ring. He's probably the best psychology uh, wrestler ever. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the to the last Survivor Series match uh, or elimination match of the evening, which we got Farouk, who's with the Nation of Domination, which so that Gladiator gimmick didn't last long. Fake, thank God, fake Razor Ramon. Uh, well, thank God, but then we don't get to see Sunny in that that bikini no more. You know that she was wearing with him, so that that's kind of like oh okay. So and then we got fake Razor Ramon, fake Diesel, and Vader facing Savio Vega, Yokozuna, Flash Funk, and Superfly Jimmy Snuka, and the match ends in a double disqualification at nine minutes and forty eight seconds. Dave, what were your thoughts? Oh my goodness! So I don't have much notes at all. Like this felt like I was bored. Um. The work of, of fake diesel and fake razor stands out in a negative way comparatively to the you know original diesel and original razor. Uh, for example, fake razor goes for the fallaway slam and has to readjust it three times. Yes, and then and then <laughs> I and, that too. And then still fucks it up when he tries to throw him overhead. He, he almost <laughs> drops it on his head, yeah. and I'm just like, dude, come on. So uh, it was just it was blatantly a like a great value version. So people didn't take it seriously. People didn't care. And as a result, the whole match was affected by it. Yeah. Um, we also see Vader predict the future and back bump on a spinning wheel kick. <laughs> um, in my personal opinion, if I had the powers to predict the future, I would have predicted a way to prevent it from happening as opposed to just bumping it. Well, what do you know? Whatever it is. What do you know? Um, a sad fact of this match though, I found myself more like, uh, focus on how many in this match are no longer with us. Yeah. Like, I was just like, holy cow. I was like, majority of these people in this match are not with us. Like, you know, unfortunately, Rick Titan passed away just a couple months ago. I'm like, uh, Vader's now gone. And I'm, I'm like, holy cow. So that took a majority of the match. I was like, this is the like one of the matches that we've seen lately that has the most involved that are no longer with us. Yeah, I'm counting, I'm counting and, um, four that have passed away. Flush. Or two cold Scorpio still alive, right? And Salvio Vega. Correct. So yeah. Snuka, Snuka's gone. Vader, Fake Razor, and Yoko. Yeah. And I was like, "Holy cow!" Oh, well, Jimmy Snuka's uh, passed away as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, "That to go." So that's when you realize how bored of the match I was. That, that's what you're concentrating so, on. Yeah, I was like, "Holy cow!" And then Flash Flunk. Uh, sorry, Flash Flunk. Yeah. Thank you. Flash, Flash Flunk. Flunk. Hits the moonsault to the outside, and I was like, "This is why I, I've always loved, regardless of what gimmick he was doing, his in-ring work was was just amazing." And uh, I gave the match a D. I felt for the nine minutes that we had the match, it was just cluster, nonstop botches, and then a s- stupid finish. Ben. The highlight of the match for me was uh, Jimmy Snuka's body slamming Vader. Like, that was pretty damn impressive considering how old he was at this point. Yeah. Uh, the moonsault by Funk on the Vader to the outside, that, that was fucking sweet. Uh, Farouk and the Nation of Domination, good changeup. 
the gladiator crap was well crap <laughs> um i actually thought the whole sabotaging of the match with the chairs coming in was i thought that was hilarious because oh, i mean really you're following brett and austin you're already fucked <laughs> Can can you imagine if Savio came running out with the chair to his theme song? (laughs) 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 Like I saw him, I'm like, I'm like, why are you coming back out? You embarrassed yourself and lost. Stay back there. Oh my god! What one thing? Actually, my favorite part of the match was Cornette and Jr. bantering back and forth on commentary, especially the. well, if I would man, if I was managing Vader, he'd already be the champion. You couldn't manage a Wendy's. Wendy. Why couldn't you or lived in town? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was amazing. Oh man! Uh, but I yeah, I gave the match a D because this match deserves a D. Uh, you guys, you guys are nice. Um, I gave the match an F. Uh, Ooh, yeah. understandable. Yeah, I was just like, why is this even on the card? That was that was like what the fuck was the point of this? I understand you're following uh, Austin and Brett, and that's a tough spot to be in. But just there was absolutely nobody benefited from this fucking match. Not one person is going to come out of this being like being like more badass than they were, or or having a better push. There's none of that. And fake Diesel, my god, he sucks. Um, at one point, he whips. Who did he whip into the corner? I think he whipped Savio Vega to the corner, and then he bent over to to do a, a back body drop to him, and then Vega just like walked to the corner and tagged out. And I was just like, "Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh my god, it was so bad. Just a crap match. I gave it an F. All right, let's get to the main event. It's for the WWF title. Get it. Get it. We got Psycho Sid facing Shawn Michaels, and Michaels, the champ, is champ going in, and Sid wins the belt by pinfall at twenty minutes and two seconds. Ben, what were your thoughts? Okay, MSG has always been a barometer for where the industry is in terms of who the fans favor. Yep, um, MSG favored Sid. Big time. I wanted to bring up something too. You know how today uh, we call we, especially the three of us, we talk about how how fickle fans are and how fast they change. Even back in '96, Sean was the anointed one going into that match with Brett, and six months later, the fans don't care about him. They want Sid. Yeah, I mean the HBK, uh, the most resilient champion in WWE history. That wasn't happening here. No, no, it, it was done six months later. So even back uh, 24 years ago, fans were still this fickle and wanted the next big thing. You know, they, they don't want to have – everyone talks about how they want to have long champions and they want the belts to mean something, but do they really? Because they constantly clamor for change. So – I mean, the, the overall habitat was different, but, I mean, the mentality is the exact same. More things change, more they stay the same, right? Yep, Exactly. Um, HBK apparently according to another wrestler at the event was so bothered by the crowd's response to him during that he went out and just got smashed after the uh, after the event now it he probably would have gone given Shawn Michaels state at this point probably would have gone out and got smashed anyways yeah um, but, but I digress from that 
Um, Sid's best match ever by far, I thought. And uh, I thought he was excellent in this match. Um, my favorite part just throughout the whole match was uh, Sid continuously cutting off Sean's comeback spots and the crowd just exploding whenever he did it. Yeah. Yeah. I freaking love that. I, I actually started cheering Sid at a, at a certain point. Um, great match overall. Sean going to uh, Lothario's aid after being, uh, I'll just say he got cameraed. <laughs> um, was a uh, to no avail attempt to get sympathy for Sean because the crowd kept cheering Sid. Like, they weren't having Sean in this match, man. Yep, yep. Like, no, there's nothing he could do to, to win them over except losing to Sid, which he did. Um, personally, though, Sid winning the title in MSG over HBK, who is, uh, I mean, the best in the business right now. Like, I mean, Sid's been in the business for a while at this point, and uh, I was actually really happy to see him win the title. Uh, Sid, to me, as a, as a WWE champion, is very, very believable. And, I mean, it's, it goes back to one of those, um, you look at a wrestler and you know he can kick the shit out of everybody. It, it, I mean, that was, that was case in point in this one. Um, great match, uh, though, and it leaves the door open for uh, more between the two down the road. I actually gave the match an eight. Wow. wow. Especially with the crowd's responses in the match. I loved it. All right. Dave. Love the energy. Oh, so, so you're saying that the crowd involvement matters the scoring? So how is WrestleMania 36 in the morning? Exactly. <laughs> Zero. It's Zero. not going to. Zero. Zero. Man, this is um, Zero. So, I will say that this is Sid's best match at this point, uh, you know, especially with who, who he's working with. Uh, regardless of his situation mentally, Sean still gave his best and did the best to make you look good. And this match, he did, he did that. Although I will say Sid's punches are absolutely atrocious. Yes, they are. But he's trying new things and did a kip-up. <laughs> And, right. it, and it, always you know, trying if new your name's things. not Lex Luger, you can try new things. That's that's that's, that's <laughs> our rule on this podcast. I still love how that he tried new things started with with a headlock takeover. <laughs> he had never done one before. He's trying new things. So, Reaching out. <laughs> when Sid does a headlock takeover, it's not a rest spot or a spot where the person taking it. Shoulders are up. When Sid hits a headlock takeover, it's a headlock power slam. Because when he hit it on Sean, it went right to a yeah. pinfall. Yeah. And I was like, how the hell do you have a headlock takeover to a pinfall? Oh, man. <laughs> He's trying Sorry. new things. Trying new things. Um, yeah. He's branching out. <laughs> that, <laughs> that pop on Sid's first choke slam was amazing. Yeah. Um, the fact that he did it with one hand legit was pretty sick. That should have been the finish, but they had to have the, the dirty right? shit just to kind of give reason for a rematch. But I was just like, that should have been the finish, man. It was a beautiful chokeslam. Uh, overall, I gave the match a C. At this point, Sid's best match. Uh, I also gave the match a C. Uh, it was a solid match. Uh, I'm with Dave. Sid's punches, fucking awful. My God. Um, Michaels was bumping like crazy, like he's like he like he always does. It's just I just thought it was, it was 
confirmed. Uh, good on Sid. Good to see him win the title. Has he won the title before this? Nope. No, this is his first goal. Does yep. he win it? He wins it twice, right? Because because he loses. Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, so the finish was Sid hit Le- Jose Lothario with a camera, and then that causes Sean to go to the outside and tend to him, and then. After a ref bump, Sid then hits Sean with the camera, rolls him in, and hits the powerbomb for the win. Uh, actually, quite a safe powerbomb, too. Like, like, you know, he looked like he took care of Sean there. Uh, so now we got a new champion. The, better of. The, uh, the crowd is happy. And uh, that's been the pay-per-view. So, Dave, who were your performer, tool, and score for the, for the night? Uh, my workhorse performer I gave to okay. Bret Hart. Uh, my tool crush. That's a good one. And my overall. That's a good. Sorry? one. that's a good one to pick. Yeah, yeah. Well deserved. And my overall score was wow. six out of okay. ten. Ben. Uh, my workhorses were uh, Brett and Austin. And my tool tonight was actually Harvey Whippleman. <laughs> Take that, <laughs> Harvey. <laughs> Oh, man. And uh, my score was uh, seven and a half out of ten. Woo! Woo! Damn! My Lo- love this man. I love this card when it delivers. My performer was Bret Hart. Uh, very impressed with being off for six months and coming back and looking like there is absolutely no ring rust. Uh, tool tonight was fake Diesel. I just I couldn't. He's he beat out Crush by the narrowest of margins. Just by the narrowest. Uh, I only gave the pay per view a four and a half out of ten, but. I scored uh, two of the Survivor Series matches at F and a D. So that's going to bring the, the whole fucking card down. <laughs> um, you know what else is really funny is um, I gave the match or I gave the card such a high mark, but there's three separate tools. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that, means, that means the good was really good, but the bad was really bad. That, that's what that means. Was good, bad, and ugly. That's right. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening uh, to our different format this week. I hope everyone likes it because I think this is what it's going to be going forward until we're allowed to, to look each other in the eyes again. Uh, we will be back next week with WCW World War Three, where the main event is the three-ring 60-man battle royal where the winner gets a shot at the World title oh not, not lord of the rings this time. i think they, they, they fucking killed Ooh. that gimmick they're like oh that's that's not good <laughs> and uh uh keep on listening to us on uh, spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts also um hit us up on social media call it in the ring media we'll be bringing we'll be letting you know what body slam is going to be about uh our top five and whatever else comes down the pipe uh, this week. Have a good one, everybody.